That's gratitude for you, isn't it? You saved her life, and poof, that was rough. It's kind of similar to some stories I want to share with you today. The first one comes from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came on them on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. We're going to drown. Almost like they didn't think he cared. Verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. It's kind of a strong clip to start off with, but the point is, at some point in our lives, we all need rescuing. The problem is, with being rescued, that sometimes we think that we should be first, that we have priority over everyone else, like the man in this clip. And that's why I chose this clip, because here they were both in distress. And, and he, the, the Coast Guard diver, he, he's in the water, and he tells them who he is. I'll be right back. That guy wouldn't have it. He, he had to be rescued first. Sometimes we think we should have priority over everyone else. We think we should be rescued first. The other problem is some of us are afraid to admit that we need rescuing. We think that shows weakness that we would need rescuing. Other times we seek rescuing in all the wrong places. We seek rescue at the wrong spots, at a computer screen, at the bottom of a bottle, at inappropriate relationships Endless hours of work, maybe, or endless hours in the gym, or maybe you seek rescuing in a shopping spree to make you feel better. But if we're honest, at the end of the day, we continue to sink further and further until someone or something reaches us to pull us up and rescue us. On that thought, have you ever heard the story of the man that waited on the Lord to rescue him? I love this story. The news reporters are on TV that there's a a horrible storm coming and and the community should evacuate. And his neighbors, they're boarding up their homes. They're making uh, provisions to, to go somewhere else because of the storm. And he would just calmly say to his neighbors, the Lord is going to save me. And then just hours before the storm reached his community, everyone else is evacuated and the police come and knock at the door. And, and, and assure him that, listen, once this storm comes, we cannot come out to help you until it's over. It's okay. The Lord is going to rescue me. And then, you know, the, it, it just, the storm comes, and it comes with, with floodwaters so high that he's up on the roof of his house. And a guy happens by in a boat. And the guy says, hey, the storm's coming back around. It's going to be worse. But the guy's on his roof. It's okay. The Lord is going to rescue me. The Coast Guard comes over just before the storm. They got the basket. Get in. He waves them off. It's okay. The Lord is going to rescue me. Well, wouldn't you know it, he drowned. And then he goes to heaven. Because in all good stories, you go to heaven. He drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says to the Lord in heaven, 
Lord, not that I'm not grateful to be here, but why didn't you rescue me? To which the Lord responded, I sent news reporters. I sent your neighbors. I sent the police. I sent the man with a boat. I even sent the Coast Guard. Why wouldn't you allow me to rescue you? Will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning and we talk about rescue. We talk about the fact that your son came to live among us and that he came to rescue us. And so I pray today, Lord, that you will open our eyes, you'll open our hearts to know without a doubt that you are here and that you are here to rescue us and you're here so that we will be rescued. So we will know your strength, so we know your power, so we can share it with others. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at someone who was in need of rescue. That first story was, was the disciples and Jesus. They were in the boat. They were crossing the lake. The storm comes. They were all scared. But I want to jump in just a second to, to another story. And, and I love this particular person because he, he didn't need rescued because he was sitting on top of his house waiting for rescue. He needed rescue because he stepped out with bold actions and he did the unthinkable. He did what no one else around him thought he should do. He's a character that we love to read about in the Bible because if we're honest, he kind of reminds us of ourselves sometimes. And, and as we read about this man, we shake our heads sometimes and we just think, oh, what was he thinking? How could he say or do something like that? And then there's, there's other stories in the Bible where we read about him. We go, that's right, you, you get him. You step out and be bold, yeah. And we can see as we read through his story in the Bible, the profoundness of his statements that would echo in our hearts for thousands of years. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm going to talk about Peter for just a minute. My next uh, scripture is Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. Most of you know the story. In, in the Bible, it's titled, Jesus Walks on the Water. And so I'm going to set that up for you. And it kind of goes like this. Jesus had been, had been speaking all day. And, and immediately, in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So they're in the boat. It's heading out. He dismisses the crowd. Verse 23, After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Now they've been out in the, in the, in the lake crossing uh, it's crossing the lake in the boat, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So it was taking a little longer to make this trek across to the other side. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Here he comes. Lord, if it's you, Peter, love this guy. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. And people brought all the sick and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Did you guys see that? Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He says, if it's really you, tell me to come out there. And he does just that. And he walks out on the water. We often make fun of Peter for, for the end result of that. Because he, he starts to sink. And, and we always think, well, if I was there, I would not have doubted. I would have walked straight to the Lord. And we would have skipped through the waves. And it would have been an amazing thing. But Peter was a man of action. That's what caused him to get out of the boat. He, he was a man of faith. And, and he wanted to know I think in his own heart that he knew who Jesus was from the very beginning. He's the one who said things like on this rock, or, or excuse me, you are, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said to him, you're right. And, and on this statement, on this rock, I'll build my church. Peter, he, he wanted so badly to do that. But he steps out of the boat and the Bible says he saw the wind. I've seen a lot of things in my life, but I've never seen the wind itself. Maybe I think too much on that kind of stuff, but I just think to see the wind on dry land, I think, would really scare us, if we're honest, to really see the wind. But nonetheless, the Bible says he saw the wind and was afraid. And in his fear, he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. Peter, we joke around and he's not the smartest guy and he does silly things, but he knew one thing right away. He knew he was in trouble. And he realized that he needed rescuing. And he reached out to the only true one that can rescue us. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter was a man of action. But too often in the world that we live in, even, even when we get out of the boat, when we step out in faith to follow where God is leading us, we get going and we think we're headed in a good direction. And then sometimes we see the wind. We, we try to follow where God is leading us, but, but we see something like Peter did. Only for us, it's, it's the wind of distraction. It's, it's the wind of, ooh, shiny, or the wind of, ooh, my neighbor has that and I should have it too. Or it's the wind of temptation or maybe it's the wind of comfort, and you just like where you're at. You see, those winds are just as bad. But whatever it is, sometimes we see that, and it causes us just to kind of curl up into a ball and, and hold on to whatever it is that's made us take our eyes off of Jesus. And this Christmas, I don't want you to miss it. Last November, we learned in Malachi that the Israelites had forgotten the importance of worship. That We talked about that their hearts had become hardened concerning their sacrifices. And even as, as the 400 years of silence had come to an end, they, they were so focused on what they thought they wanted in a Savior King that they almost missed it. I don't want you to miss it. Don't miss it like the Jews did. They wanted a Messiah to rescue them. 
but they looked for him to rescue them from worldly issues. Many times after the exodus from Egypt, the Israelites asked, and they, excuse me, they asked, they requested, and sometimes they even demanded a king from the Lord. They were always saying things like, well, you know, at least in Egypt we had Pharaoh and at least he gave us food. And so God would say, okay, fine, you can have a king. And, and, and no matter how many times that happened, sometimes they got a good king. Sometimes they got a wicked, evil, not so good king. Nonetheless, when you read through the Old Testament, you see that no matter what kind of king they ended up with, they always asked God for a different one. They thought they knew what they wanted. They claimed to know what they wanted, but God knew what they needed. And that whole time he was preparing them for what they needed, not so much for what they wanted. He came to rescue us. Isaiah says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. Verse 34, yet again, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. And people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. People knew. When he got there, they knew who he was. They knew he was there for them. But even when he came, even when he came and he healed, even when, when you read stories in the New Testament about how Jesus healed someone from a demonic spirit, how he, he did these amazing things, he fed thousands of people, he, he did these different things, he, he rescued the people time and time again. But he wasn't the king they wanted, even when he did all those things. Like us, surrender didn't really come natural to them. Them being the Israelites, the the promised people, the, the Jewish community, if you will. Surrender didn't come natural to them. They would rather fight God for something they didn't really want than to take what he would give them that they needed. It's kind of like us. If we're really honest with ourselves. We do the same thing. Well, God, that's not what I really wanted. No, but that's what you needed. I really didn't want that, that direction or that discipline from, from that person who came to tell me that I wasn't doing well in life. No, but that's what you needed. I want somebody to just tell me that I'm nice and that I'm proper and that I'm good all the time. I don't want people to, to let me know necessarily what I need. You see, the same Jesus that took Peter's hand and pulled him up from the waves, brought him back safely to the boat, is the same Jesus who sits at God's right hand, reaching out to rescue you. All we have to do is accept him as our prince of peace in our life. Listen to this. Sometimes my life just don't make sense at all. The mountains look so big. My faith just seems so small. So hold me, Jesus, as I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been my king of glory. Would you be my prince of peace? And I wake up in the night and feel the dark. 
It's so hot inside my soul There must be blisters on my heart So hold me, Jesus As I'm shaking like a leaf You've been my king of glory Won't you be my prince of peace Surrender don't come natural to me I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want Than to take what you give that I need And I beat my head against so many walls I'm falling down, I'm falling on my knees This old church choir is singing this hymn Your grace rings out so deep my resistance seems so clear So hold me, Jesus As I'm shaking like a leaf You have been my king of glory Won't you be my prince of peace I'm singing, hold me, Jesus As I'm shaking like a leaf You have been my king of glory won't you be my Prince of Peace? You have been my King of Glory. Won't you be my Prince of Peace? Amen. Hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been my king of glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? You know, there's a verse in Psalm 46, uh, chapter 46, verse 1 in the King James Version. I love the way that, that it's written there. And it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Hold me, Jesus. I'm shaking like a leaf. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have had times in my life when I felt all alone, where, where I felt just down and out. In, in those times, I found out what my faith is really made of. And when I've allowed Jesus to rescue me from those situations. There have been times in my life when I have felt so weak that my body and my heart just ached. I felt the pain of a broken heart and I felt rejection. My heart is broke without understanding of things like why the little children in places like Haiti have to suffer and beg for food. And no matter what I do, I can't seem to sell enough stuff or raise enough money or take enough mission trips to save them. It's very sore. It's at those times when, I'm, when, when life doesn't make sense. When those mountains look so big and our faith just seems so small. I remember that the Bible says Jesus binds up the brokenhearted and he heals their wounds. He. Jesus is the healing balm. Hold me, Jesus. Rescue me. He is the rescuer. Not me. Not you. Yes, we are called to be his hands and feet. And we are called to be the proclaimers of the good news of his story. But he rescues. And in all those times of doubt, and all those times of struggle, and all those times of sadness that we go through, I know this, that Jesus has always stood by my side. 
And when, when almost everyone else walks away, he's there holding on or with an outstretched arm. Jesus will never walk away. He promised us in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Even when you see the wind, Peter, you don't have to be afraid. The Lord is my helper. He came to rescue. We must remember that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I was reading a blog, and the writer shared some some things with us or with me, and I want to share those things with you about their particular life. And and so I just want to share this with you, and, and you'll see how this all unfolds. The writer says, There was a time when I felt that I was left with nothing, abandoned, But when all you have left is God, you have everything you need to start all over again. Does this sound like you? The writer continues with this thought. He says, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in times of trouble. The Bible says in Isaiah 46, 4, the Lord says, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and rescue you. There comes a time in everyone's life, as difficult as it may be during those times of challenge or or betrayal or hurt or feeling alone, during those times we learn to turn the page. And when you turn the page, you enter into a new chapter in your life. We will find Jesus is right there to help us with every step that we take. It's, It's very easy at times to let the devil steal your joy. You see, there are... There are times when we feel down because of the circumstances that we go through. But God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in times of trouble. You know, there was David who prayed in Psalm fifty-five, twelve. His prayer was this, return unto me the joy of your salvation. Remember what the Bible says in Nehemiah eight ten: for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is my strength. When I am weak, he is the lifter of my head. How about Psalm 18, verse 1? It says this. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I'm saved from my enemies. Do you catch that? I'm saved from my enemies, rescued yet again. My friends, whenever you need healing, go to the Lord. When your heart is aching, go to the Lord. When you feel weak, go to the Lord. In everything and anything you do, go to the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I want to make sure that that you guys understand why I'm preaching through December this way. Why I'm focusing on topics 
of he came as he promised and he came to rescue and he came to save us. That's next week, by the way. He came to save us. And there's a difference between being rescued and being saved. Okay? And and I'm going to get into that. So you have to come next week to hear that part. But I'm not just skipping through Jesus' life from the manger to walking on water and rescuing people because I don't like the wise men or because I don't know the whole story of his birth and why we celebrate Christmas. Okay? But I want you to understand and I want you to know the importance of this one simple fact, especially during this time of year. Last week we had the manger set up. It was really awesome. But if we leave Jesus in the manger, because that's where everybody likes him. One of my favorite sayings when, when the kids do something goofy, I'm always like, you're making baby Jesus cry. You know, I know he's not still a baby. Okay, but that's how the world sees it. We're going to have a birthday party for Jesus. That's awesome. But we leave him there. The whole rest of the year, we leave him in a manger. If we refuse to see the whole picture of God's plan for us, we'll miss it just like the Israelites of the Old Testament missed it. When it came to sacrifice, when it came to worship, when it came to living for God. If we leave baby Jesus in the manger, we miss all of that. Jesus came to rescue us. Not because of the prophecies of Jeremiah or Micah or whoever else made prophecies about the coming of the Christ. He had to come. He had to come to rescue us. Because of the very first prophecy that was made. And it's what God said in the beginning. He said it um, talking to Satan concerning Adam and Eve after they'd eaten the forbidden fruit. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Starting with verse 14, this is what the Lord says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, God knew from this point on, When they ate from that fruit, it wasn't that their eyes were open to the wisdom of God. It's their eyes were open to sin. You could say that their actions wrote a check that they had no way to cash. Because they had bitten off more than they could chew. Thank you. You're too kind. (laughs) But here's the thing. Our eyes are also opened with sin. And even when we step out boldly to follow God, we see it, the, the wind of sin, if you will, and it distracts us. Our eyes are open to sin. And just like in the garden, I'm going to tell you what, Satan knows how to make it look pretty and appealing and harmless. Kind of like the poinsettia. It's beautiful. Don't feed it to your kids or your dog telling you it's poisonous that's what satan does he packages sin so nice and fluffy and cute and friendly that we think it's just a little bit i'll be okay and the next thing you know we end up like peter drowning in the waves of good intentions reaching up calling out asking jesus to rescue us once more he had to come he had to come and rescue us. And so he stepped out of heaven 
And he came, but not in kingly splendor and fully protected battle gear from head to toe like the Israelites thought he should show up. He didn't come like that. Even though he was the head of the universe, he came in the form of a helpless baby. The head of the universe couldn't even pick up his own head until he was like three or four months old. He he couldn't take his first steps the first year of life. He was solely dependent on Mary and Joseph and the care and the things that they would provide for him. The head of the universe had to be fed. He couldn't walk, let alone lead a battle to conquer a kingdom. And yet the baby came to rescue us. The baby in the manger came so that he could reach down and take Peter's hand and lift him out of the waves and say, why did you look away? Same goes for us. You see, the Israelites wanted to be rescued, but they wanted it on their terms. They couldn't grasp the life of Christ, the way that it was being lived out before them. They couldn't get the message that he brought. They couldn't even grasp, really, the reason that he was crucified before their very eyes. Because they were looking for the warrior king who would come in and deliver judgment and and punishment to their enemies. And one fell swoop would just wipe out all the people that, that had done them wrong over the years. They couldn't see what Jesus was because they were looking in the wrong place. They were not looking for humility and love and forgiveness. They were looking for a king of glory, all right, but they, they missed the prince of peace. They missed the rescuer. Don't get caught looking for Jesus in the wrong places. Don't get caught looking for him in the manger this Christmas. Look in your neighborhood. Look in your office. Look in your school. Look in your shopping center. If you don't see Jesus there, Stop looking and start being. Stop looking and start being. Being his hands and feet. Be the carrier of his words of love and encouragement and forgiveness and peace. The gift of Christmas is not just Emmanuel, God with us. The gift of Christmas is that God sent his only son to live among us, to live in us, and to rescue us. Don't miss it. There are some of us who say, oh, if I had only been there when Jesus was born, how how quick I would have been to help the baby. I love babies. I would have have washed his linen. I would have found him a place for them to stay besides a, a smelly old stable. How happy I would have been to go with the shepherds to see the newborn king, the Lord lying in the manger. Well, we say that because we we know the story and we know how great Christ is and and we know the whole thing and and. Truth be told, if we'd been there at the time, we would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. But like I said, maybe it's time we stop looking and start being. Start being his hands and feet. Be the carrier of his words, of his love. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. The Lord says, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you 
I will sustain you and rescue you. Are you ready? Are you ready to reach out to Jesus and ask him to rescue you? What are you drowning in? Have you, like Peter, boldly stepped out of the boat to follow him and now you see the wind of distraction and you're, you're afraid? He came to rescue. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe the wind you see is the wind of comfort or, or complacency and, and you're just you're afraid to step out of the boat and you're afraid what people are going to say about you if you're one of those Jesus freaks and you're afraid what's going to happen. He came to rescue thing you need to know is that sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms the child. And so I don't know where you're at, but I know where he is and he's here and he's waiting to rescue you. Whatever your battle, whatever your distraction, he's here with outstretched arms. He came to rescue. Won't you come to be rescued? Will you stand and sing with us?